college athletics is changing every day. NIL, transfer portal, conference realignment. And there was really no one from a media perspective living between NIL, the universities, and, and the app. And we decided to start a media company right in the middle of it. You're doing CBS, play-by-play, -play, color yeah. commentating. You're running a company. You're <laughs> doing your own media. You know, what drives you to continue to push out all of this content and just keep going week by week? One of the things that really drives me to be successful in this second part of my career I think is the fact that I didn't make it in the NFL. You know, it's easy to sit there and, and feel sorry for yourself and say, man, if I wouldn't have gotten hurt, if my knee injury would have, wouldn't have happened, I'd still be playing, I'd, I'd be playing football still. That's life. Things happen to you, bad things are gonna happen. Uh, it, it'll happen, if, if it hasn't happened yet in your life, it's gonna happen and it'll continue to happen over and over again. And just when you think you have it figured out, life comes and shows you that you don't really have it figured out. Welcome into the Next Up Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Brenneman. Today's episode is a special one. It's just me. No guests this time with me. It's a recording of a speech I gave a week ago to the Penn State Sports Business Conference students. I did a Q&A with them talking all things, my life, my career, broadcasting media, entrepreneurship, what I think of NIL, college football, recruiting, everything. So I tell all and open up about a ton in this interview, in this speech. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Wanted to share it with you as a podcast itself because I think it's that good and I think it opens the, opens me up and peels the layers back on a lot of my life and what I think about the landscape of college football, entrepreneurship, media, and everything in between. Before we get there, please subscribe to the podcast, like, share, comment, uh, hit us on social media. Everything you guys need to support us means a ton. Support our sponsors because it helps me a lot. We got tons of great episodes coming up for you in the future. It's been one heck of a football season. It is almost over, which is wild to think about. But uh, I have no doubt that the next few weeks will be electric and we'll be bringing you some great episodes between now and then. Let's get to the pod. Next up. It's the last call to win two tickets to a big bowl game this season. All you got to do is click the link, buy some merch on our site, and you'll be entered in to win the giveaway. The more merch you buy, the more entries you get to win the tickets. You can buy some merch like this, the college football tee, all black. I love this thing. Plus, our merch is super high quality, affordable, and great for game days. This is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to have a great experience or a great gift for someone else. Don't miss Last Call to Shop Now. Thank you, Adam, for being here and taking the time to talk with the yeah, Sports thank Business you. Conference. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, it's a busy time in college football, and college yeah. basketball just started. Um, you were just here for the State Media Live show at Champs, and now it's mm -hmm. the Penn State versus Michigan weekend. How excited are you for this weekend? Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's a, it's a busy weekend. We were just talking about it. Um, the, from a content perspective to what's going on with football and uh, NIL and, and we're having an event tomorrow night. I mean, it's just a, it's a busy weekend when, whenever we get up here for an extended weekend, but also a huge game for Penn State football. I mean, it's a, it's a game that uh, everything's still in front of us and the, the opportunity to, to play the Big Ten Championship and the college football playoff the last year of the 14 playoff, it's still there, but it all rides through Saturday. So it's going to be a fun one. Absolutely. We're going to dive into a lot of that tonight here in for the Penn State Sports Business Conference Fall Speaker Series. But for those in the room, many of us know who you are. But let's dive into who is Adam besides media, besides <laughs> football. Who is Adam Brenneman? Yeah, so besides media and football? Yeah, who's Adam? <laughs> um, well, I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a brother. <laughs> I have two siblings. Um, you know, I think really, for me, I try to be someone who is uh, spreading the game of football and the game of college football that I love to the world and to the, to the population that maybe didn't live it through my experience. When I really got into media, I 
saw this gap in, I had all these experiences in football. I had, I was a five-star recruit. I played at Penn State, ended up transferring and played somewhere else, went through the adversity, was months away from the NFL, had a knee injury and retired from football. Uh, and then I coached and I coached football for two years. And then I left coaching and got into media and I had all these experiences and I, and I felt like there was a, a gap missing online for, for someone that could spread the word about college football to the world. And you have all these older guys like Joel Klatt, who will be here Saturday and Kirk Herbstreit. Joel will kill me if you heard me call him old, but uh, Kirk Herbstreit and all these older analysts. And then there was no one that could talk to Gen Z and millennials on social media about the game of football. Um, and that's what I tried to, that's what I attacked and, and decided to be is that, that voice for young fans and young college football fans that want to learn about the game from someone who played it, but didn't want to go watch on traditional television didn't want to watch and sit in front of cable TV all day. They wanted to see it where they are on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube shorts, or on Twitter. Um, and that's, that's what I attacked and tried to do. Today's episode is brought to you by Ekron Athletics. Listen, you guys know I was an injury-prone player during my playing career. Felt like I was hurt having surgery every other season. Looking back on it, I wasn't recovering the right way. So now in my post-playing career, I've made it a mission to figure out how to recover best. And that's when I found Ekron Athletics. Their B37S percussion massage gun, this thing right here, has changed the way I recover after big workouts. I wish I had this thing when I was playing. It was named the best overall massage gun by GQ, Sports Illustrator, and other trusted publications. I'm telling you, every player and athlete out there should be using this thing to recover after workouts and games and to get loose before games and practices. And even if you're not playing sports and using it before the gym and after the gym, I use it when I'm sitting at home watching college football every Saturday. When I mean, this thing is beautiful, I love it. I take it with me everywhere I go, even on the road when I travel. Oh, and the B37S massage gun is not just about a quick fix. It's got a long battery life and it comes with a lifetime warranty guaranteeing this thing lasts much longer than my football career did. Whether you're a current athlete, a former athlete, or just an everyday person trying to stay in shape, you need to try the B37S percussion gun from Ekron Athletics. Go to EkronAthletics.com today and start recovering faster and moving easier. That's Ekron Athletics and use promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. That's E-K-R-I-N Athletics.com with promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. And speaking of you know, the gap between you know, Gen Z and college sports, and you have attacked that through Mercury and the College mm -hmm. Sports Co., you know, collaborating with all of these schools, these universities, can you talk a little bit about that process of you know, great, gaining that credibility to coaches and, and athletes to, you know, go to their schools and yeah. talk more about their story, have, talk more about, you know, that start of, you know, getting, your, getting the name of Mercury out to college athletics. Yeah, you know, I've always had this entrepreneurial mindset, which I'm sure so many in this room do as the Penn State Sports Business Conference. Um, more than just wanting to be a talking face on TV, I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to start a company and to be able to build brands that aren't just myself. And that's when, that's when I started Mercury with a couple of co-founders. Um, we saw this gap in the world of college athletics is changing every day. NIL, transfer portal, conference realignment. And there was really no one from a media perspective living between NIL, the universities, and, and the athletes. Uh, you had the school, the school media, which traditionally isn't great. You had NIL, who people trying to make money on athletes, but they weren't really helping them at all. Um, and we decided to start a media company right in the middle of it. So what we do at Mercury is we partner with colleges and universities, Penn State's one of them, and we work with our athletic departments, with the NIL Collective, and with the athletes to build their brands and build a media network, which we then monetize through t traditional media sponsorship and advertising and 
merchandise. Um, and the cool part for me has been, as we build it, how excited the athletes get about it. You know, when we started a podcast uh, with Penn State football players, we had like 15 of the guys trying to be the ones that got to host the podcast. Uh, and when I played, that would have that would have never happened. Like when I played, and if you if you were a football player and did media when when I played, it was like you didn't like ball enough. You weren't a ball guy. You wanted to be in media. Now you see everyone do it, and you see everyone wanting to do media as an athlete. So that's been the exciting part for me is how excited those athletes get uh, about being part of what we're building at Mercury. And we're we're at five schools now: Penn State, Kansas, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Clemson. Uh, with plans to launch a, a bunch of other ones, but um, we we believe that we're building a billion dollar business. We think that the the model we have at the at the middle of this shift in college athletics um, is an exciting one. And the best part is we can help athletes and NIL collectives and raise money for the schools at the same time. Speaking of helping athletes, you know you were a college athlete, All American tight end, and now you're in the media space. How important do you find it for college athletes who are currently playing right now to maybe find that passion in media and do it through your podcast, through Mercury? Yeah, I mean, it's such a – so many athletes want to do it now. Like, so many athletes want to be in media. It's really the most popular uh, – if you ask current athletes what, what they want to do when, the, when they're done playing, most of them say broadcasting, podcast, analyst, something in that world. Um, but most can't do it. Most don't have the – the knowledge, or even the on-camera reps to do it. And nowadays with social media, it's funny, I was talking to um, a a broadcaster who calls NFL games, uh, Ross Tucker, and he was talking about how when he started broadcasting, there wasn't really a ton of social media. So like he could mess up a lot when he started, and he didn't get crucified for it. Now you have these big-time athletes where a big-time quarterback goes and transitions to television if he's not great rep one, he's getting just annihilated on social media, right? Everyone's tweeting the clips of him. We've even seen it with Tony Romo, and like he's been just getting crushed for some of the things he's saying. Uh, so it's harder now to make that transition, and also more people want to do it than ever. Uh, they always say in broadcasting, and I'm very aware of this as a tight end who didn't play in the NFL, who uh, didn't have a pro career, is that I'm just one great quarterback retiring away from being out of a job. Like That's the reality. If 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 uh, Trace McSorley retires from football next week and wants to be a broadcaster, like what says that ESPN shouldn't give Trace a shot and be like, ah, maybe not. We don't like this Adam guy anymore. Um, so that just means you got to keep your, you got to be on top of your game and, and be great at what you do, and you got to make a difference in your preparation and being the best at it from that standpoint. Because my name and my career isn't going to beat out most guys. And same with Kirk Herbstreit. Kirk Herbstreit didn't play in the NFL. Um, Joel Klatt did not play in the NFL. A lot of those guys didn't. Um, Charles Davis, who's the, who's the NFL broadcaster, didn't play in the NFL, but they've made it through their hard work. And that's what I tell athletes is if you like doing it, if you like the podcast world, there's always going to be a better, a bigger name than you. There's always going to be a better athlete. There's always going to be a new five-star quarterback that retires and wants to be a broadcaster. You have to keep your job by your preparation, your work, and how you treat people and what people inside that building and inside CBS and ESPN and Fox say about you. I think it's great how you're able to provide those opportunities for student-athletes to explore that realm of media and being an athlete. Um, And with the schools that you partnered with, you know, watching those podcasts, they get really into it and, you know, they're able to share an inside scoop of their experience as an athlete. And speaking of the NIL portion, you know, in the past two years, college athletics has just completely been changed um, from uh, NIL, you know, Becoming legal almost two years ago, what was how's that um, process been like? Um, that experience, you know, talking to college athletic programs, 
um, and pitching to them, you know, listen, we're going to really help your athletes through this process. So what's, um, you know, been some of the um, fun parts of the NIL yeah. process and where's been the challenges? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges. Uh, NIL, I, I believe, is a great thing at its core, at its surface. I mean, NIL, um, at what it's intended to be is every athlete being able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, the hard work that they put in, which I'm all for. I love it. What NIL has turned into is really collectives and donors. Um, every school in the country now has a collective raising money and paying athletes salaries and, and monthly retainers and stipends to play at their school. Uh, and the difference between NFL athletes making money in marketing and the college players making money in marketing is that in college, there's recruiting. So in the NFL, you get drafted, right? And you just go to the school that, the, that they, that, or the team that wants you. In college, you have to pick where you go. So then naturally, NIL gets used as inducements in recruiting of like, hey, we'll pay you this amount of money to come to our school, um, which is fine if there's a level playing field and everyone is playing by the same rules. And right now it's not. Uh, and as we built this company, one of the difficult things has been really – what athletes want from an NIL standpoint. You know, you'll talk, the, 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 the spectrum is so wide. We have one athlete who may want $500 to host the podcast and then one asks for $500,000. Uh, and they're like very similar skill levels. It just depends on what school they're at. So that's been challenging. But I think at the end of the day, the NIL is a great thing for the sport. It's about time that players got to get to monetize their name, image, and likeness. I mean, when I was, I remember when I was playing, which, I mean, I know it wasn't that long ago. I feel, I feel old sitting in this room, but... <laughs> I mean, you weren't able to do anything. I remember that we were, people would always get kind of busted if like we had a, I went out to dinner with an alumni and that alum like bought dinner for me. And it was like the NCAA was like, oh, that can't happen. Um, or as coaches were only allowed to take you out to dinner like one time every two months because it was against NCAA rules. Um, nowadays, you have athletes making hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's multiple players on Penn State teams making six figures a year. Um, so those days are obviously over. I think it's a great thing, but the NCAA or federal legislation, something will come in soon and make NIL, uh, make it, make their uh, fair across the line with every school playing by the same set of rules. I think it's so interesting how fast things can change too. Crazy. You know, you, it's not that long ago that you were playing college football and now the rules are completely drastically changing. Yeah. Um, even though NIL is only, you know, about two years old now, where do you hope to see the NIL space and even the NIL, NIL media space um, grow? Yeah, I think from an NIL perspective, what will happen soon is, is the re revenue sharing from the TV deals. Um, you know, I just did a, I do a, a segment with front office sports every, every week. We just did a segment on the, the college football playoff next year is going to be, the TV deal is going to be worth $2.4 billion. Billion. Uh, the biggest TV deal of all time, two times the size of March Madness and college basketball's TV deal. But the players get none of that. They, get, they don't see any of it. So what's going to end up happening pretty soon is that TV uh, revenue share will come in for the players from the TV deals. So they'll start getting a cut of that. And then what we see from a collective model with NIL, with donors raising money and paying athletes, will go away. It'll all go in-house to a school. The school will pay their players through revenue sharing. And then NIL, with what it's intended to be, uh, which is marketing deals, it's Drew Aller doing a deal with the car dealership in town. It's, it's, it's uh, Kendra Lambert-Smith getting to do a deal with like the bar downtown and like doing, like, doing his own hamburger at it. Like, like, that's what it's intended to be, not these collectives raising money from donors and paying athletes. So that will all go within, in the, inside the school, and the athletes will get money from the revenue sharing. That's what I think should happen. I think it will happen. There's a lot of push 
uh, for that in college football. Um, it's just a matter of time from a legislation standpoint. Um, but I think the best part of NIL to me has been how it's allowed athletes to build their brand and do media that they weren't otherwise allowed to do. Like I said, when I played, you couldn't do media. It was, if I would have went to Bill O'Brien and told him I wanted to start a podcast, it would not have been good. I'm telling you, it would not have gone well. It, it would have, I might have been off the team. Like, like it was just not something that you did. But now with NIL, players want to build their brands, players want to do media, and players want to be part of telling their stories. And what, what it's been able to do is cut out traditional media in the whole thing. And now players can talk directly to fans after games when, things, when big things happen. We have a podcast at Mercury with two Oklahoma players. And the one guy just got hurt. So he decides, instead of his head coach going to his press conference and talking about how he got hurt, instead of him tweeting about it, he decided to break the news on his podcast that he controls, that he monetizes, that he sells merchandise through. And like, that's, what, that's the cool part of it, when players can do things like that. Absolutely. Puts the ball in his court, you know, exactly. for him yeah. to be able to have the voice and say, listen, I'm hurt. This is what's going to happen yeah. this season. So, yeah, definitely allows yeah. them to have a little more of a voice um, yeah. and, you know, behind who they actually are. Um, kind of going over to your podcast next up with Adam Brenneman, um, you interview um, college football coaches, college basketball coaches, college basketball and football athletes. Um, what have been some commonalities that you've picked up going to all these different um, programs, whether that's the NIL world or just being an athlete or a coach as a whole, what have you found has been some commonalities with these major programs or what some differences? Yeah, I've gotten to see the in, under the hood at a lot of big time college football programs. Um, was just at Oregon uh, a couple weeks ago for a weekend. Uh, obviously, we spent a lot of time around Penn State, but dozens of them throughout the last year. And I think the thing that would surprise most people is how high-functioning of an organization those places are uh, and how those head coaches are really CEOs of, their biz of a business. Um, if you were to spend a day around Penn State football and Coach Franklin, I'm telling you, you would be shocked at the level of detail and organization and uh, the communication it takes to run a successful program. Same thing with Saban at Alabama and, and all these big-time programs. It is not just watching film and scouting the team and, and getting your players ready to play. It is an entire organization. Um, you know, Coach Franklin always says, has a saying where he says that everyone in, a, in his program has to be rowing the boat in the same direction or singing the song to the same tune. And I learned from him through being around him a lot that that is so important to an organization. To the com as, as I build a company, to my team that works with me, to we all need to be on the same page at, at, at all times. And if someone asks, what's our most important goal today? Everyone better have the same answer at all times. Uh, and I think that's the thing that surprised me the most, is just how these football coaches who love ball and X's and O's and need to win games are so concerned about making sure that the pictures on their wall are perfect and making sure that everyone's on time to meetings and making sure that the locker room is cleaned up. I was at Oregon with... Um, with Dan Lanning, their head coach. And I sat in one of their team meetings. And he wrapped up the meeting, and at the end of the meeting, he said the, po the point of the day was that he didn't like the locker room the other day because there was trash laying in the middle of the floor in the locker room. And he was like, how we do anything is how we do everything. That's not how we do things around here. If I see that there's trash in the locker room again, you guys won't be using the locker room. Um, and I was like, wow, like they, were about to play, they were about to play Colorado, the biggest game of the year, one of their big games. And they were talking about trash in the locker room. Like that's the level of detail these places have. And that's the thing that's, that's definitely caught me off guard. And I knew it, but to see it in person consistently at the biggest programs has been, has been uh, it's been cool to see. 
Do you have a favorite interview that you've done with Next Up, or is there like a few favorites? Yeah. Um, Coach Franklin was a great one for me. I mean, I think the cool part about my podcast and what I try to do is like get these guys to sit down for an hour plus is really hard. Like it's really difficult to get NFL quarterbacks, college head coaches to sit down for a long time. Um, and I thought Coach Franklin, I, I've known Coach Franklin really well. Um, it's cool now because when a head coach comes on my podcast now, they know what they're going, getting into. Like we're not just going to sit there and talk about how the season went. It's going to be you know personal things about adversity. And Coach Franklin talked on my podcast about how he got booed off the field in 2016. They, they were losing a halftime in Minnesota. The student section was chanting fire Franklin. I remember when it happened. Um, they came back to win that game and win the Big Ten Championship in 2016, and now they are where they are today. Uh, talked about the adversity in his life and his upbringing and his childhood and how it made him who he is. Um, so that, 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 one was, that one was really cool for me. Um, a lot of the head coaches have been great uh, all over the country just because it's hard to get those guys to talk and to open up with you. Um, I would say another one, Kenny Pickett was one of the first ones I've had on, uh, who was kind of the first big-time player and when he was coming, he was QB one in the draft who like came on my podcast. And uh, once you get one, it kind of spirals from there and people want to do it. But Kenny Pickett would be a, a great one, too. And obviously now he's playing for his hometown team, the Steelers. Real quick, I don't know about you guys, but I've never liked the shaving process until now. Our sponsor, Manscaped, has completely changed the game for me. Because of their performance package 4.0, my face and my body is hair free and has never felt better. I now feel my best whether I'm shooting a podcast or hitting the pool. I love Manscaped, and now you can level up your shaving game by going to manscaped.com and using my code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. I think podcasting and your podcast in particular, um, it almost humanizes the coaches and yeah. the athletes. You know, we see them on the field every Saturday um, and every season, but be able to get that inside scoop is definitely a unique yeah. um, perspective. And like you said, it's hard to get them for an hour and no doubt. able to... Being able to do that, um, it's cool to get that perspective. Um, speaking of the 12-team playoff, what are your thoughts on the new 12-team playoff um, format? <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, when, it's, when it came out, I was, I was not a big fan of the 12-team playoff. I think that um, I've always, I think one of, the one of the things that makes college football great is how every single game matters in college football. It's the reason that a regular season college football game will have better TV ratings than the NBA Finals, than the World Series. Game 7 of the World Series will have worse TV ratings than a regular season Penn State-Michigan game. Like They'll dwarf the TV ratings uh, in college football. And the reason is because every game matters. My thought originally was really that if you expand the playoff, that now every game means a little bit less. Because you can still get in the playoff by losing a game. Like The reason the Penn State-Ohio State game was so important because if Penn State wanted to make the playoff, a lot of people said that you had to beat Ohio State. Now, there's a path without that, but that was a really big game. Um, I think that it's, it's like supply and demand. Just because you create more of something, a lot of times the value goes down of that, of that thing. Uh, so that's, that, that was my concern with the playoff, is that the 14 playoff made every game just monumental from what it means. Uh, and then I started thinking about the 12-team playoff and how exciting it's going to be to have a 12-team playoff. And I think I'm willing to sacrifice the regular season, meaning a little bit less, to get uh, – I mean, I was just looking at the, what the bracket would have been this year if we had a 12-team playoff. I mean, just like awesome matchups. The playoff for those few weeks will be, uh, will be electric games every single week. Um, it'll be great TV money for the, the schools and hopefully at some point goes down to the players. So 
I'm excited for the 12 team playoff. I think it's time as a Penn State fan and a former Penn State player, I'm excited for it because Penn State hopefully will now have a shot at the college football playoff. Um, hopefully we get to host the game at Beaver Stadium in the college football playoff next year or in the next few years. So uh, I'm excited about it. Um, and I still think that with how healthy the sport of college football is, that the regular season will still mean a lot. I think this weekend will definitely be monumental for yeah. how the rest of the season goes. Um, speaking of, you know, we're in the busiest part of the college football season. You know, you're doing CBS play-by-play -play and color yeah. commentating. You're running a company. You're <laughs> doing your own media. You know, what drives you to continue to push out all of this content and just keep going week by week? Yeah, good question. I, I think, um, I mean, a lot, there's a lot of things that drive me. Um, I mean, the easy answer is like my family and wanting to make them proud and everyone. But I, I really think, you know, one of the things that really drives me to be successful in this second part of my career, I think is the fact that I didn't make it in the NFL and that I didn't play in the NFL. And I have a lot of buddies who are still playing on Sundays and making a lot of money. My, one of my best friends is Mike Kosicki, you know, who, you know, they're crushing it, right? All these guys are playing in the NFL and I'm not um, for whatever circumstance. And I think that a lot of that is, um, motivates me to want to kind of build my own career, my own name outside of that and outside of, you know, it's easy to sit there and, and feel sorry for yourself and say, man, if I wouldn't have gotten hurt, if my knee injury would have, wouldn't have happened, I'd still be playing, I'd, I'd be playing football still. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's, that's life. Things happen to you. Bad things are going to happen. Uh, it, it'll happen. If, if it hasn't happened yet in your life, it's going to happen and it'll continue to happen over and over again. And just when you think you have it figured out, life comes and shows you that you don't really have it figured out. Um, so I think that that's really been a big driver for me. And, you know, I, I remember when I, when I retired from football and thought I was done playing football, thinking that it was a really bad thing and thinking, you know, I can't, woe is me. I can't believe this is happening. You know, I, I'm a failure. I was a five-star recruit, but didn't make it. And now I look back on that and it's crazy how, and it sounds corny to say, like I almost view that as a positive because it's now led me to this point right here. There's no way, you know, I, I wouldn't be as grateful as the things I, I am right now. I don't think I'd have the work ethic I have now in my post-playing career if I would have played 10 years in the NFL. Um, and I maybe not, wouldn't have been as sure with myself and as sure with my career as I am right now. Um, so all that to say that when bad things happen, it can really be a, a big positive. And I view my career as it's something I'm proud of. Uh, I wish I would have played longer. But you, you don't get to pick the plans you have for yourself. All you can do, you can't change the cards you're dealt. It's just how you play the hand. And I chose to play the hand the best I could in, in this second, you know, second career of my life. And, um, you know, I'm motivated to make this career more successful than even my NFL career would have been. Can we have a quick round of applause for that? That is amazing. <laughs> um, I think that's awesome to, you know, drive this company and drive, you know, your brand and um, your career through, you know, what you've gone through. I mean, this is everyone's life. Um, they're... Life has dealt cards you may not think you would have had, but I think that um, you're doing amazing with you. what you have been doing. Um, I think also with you know the College Sports Co, it's it's just getting started. You know, millions of views across all platforms. Where do you hope to see the College Sports Co Co go, and um, where do you you may not even know what could happen in a year, but where do you hope that um, Mercury and the College Sports Co grows to? Yeah, I mean, we want to grow to a hundred plus million dollar company across the biggest schools in, in the country. Um, you know, our, uh, our our business, I mean, these are all business 
students in here, people that love business. So I'll tell you our business model because you may find it interesting. Our business model is that at these major universities, the fans love the schools, and these these athletic departments do 150 plus million in revenue a year at the athletic department level. So Penn State's doing 150 million in revenue. Our bet, our our business model at Mercury is that we, if we can build a great content network in the middle of NIL, the school, uh, the university, or the school university, the athletes, and have un- elite production and the best company surrounding it, that we can build a, a brand at each of these schools at, at Penn State, it's called State Media, um, that siphons off three to 4% of that 150 million to, the, to our network. So at State, Penn State makes 150, 150 million a year in revenue. We think we can take three to 4% of that, whatever the math ends up being, it ends up being four to $5 million a year at that school um, for, our, for, our, for State Media. We think we can scale that across 15, 20 schools. Um, at the biggest programs, at the Clemsons, at the Oklahomas, the Texas, the USC, the Florida, the Texas A&M, um, and scale it across 15, 20 schools. We don't want to do this at 100 schools. We want to do it at the most elite 15, 20 schools in the country. Build those properties like we are with state media. And if you do that, you have a company that is doing great work for athletes, that's building their brands, that's helping the university. Because when we make money, Penn State and NIL makes money. Um, and then at 15, 20 schools, we now have a company that's valued at 100, 200, 300, 400 million dollars. Um, and that's where you get to, the, the, the cool part for that is like, yeah, that'd be great for me, but all the people I've brought into this now, like we've hired so many of my friends of, of people that, that I've grown up with, of uh, people that have helped me, of you know, Noah and Thomas are here from my team right now, um, who spend all day with me, like God bless them, because I'm tough to deal with sometimes, <laughs> but like all those people and what they would get to, what, how that would change their life. Um, so that's the model. That's where I want to get it. We're at five schools right now. Uh, we need to keep proving out the model and the monetization model while helping the schools. And then we're, we want to scale across multiple platforms. We, we've raised venture capital money. So we, we have investors, some big venture capital firms. Uh, we're actually in the process of closing a fundraising round right now, um, which, is, which will give us more capital to, uh, to you know, drive the company forward. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're on the right track. Now it's just a matter of execution and can our team execute on the idea at a fast enough rate and uh, and make it happen? I think it's pretty amazing what you guys have been able to do in you know such a short per- period of time. You know, yeah. it's fairly new company, new brand, and it's already millions of views across yeah. um, all platforms. And I'm really excited to see where it grows. Um, and through all of this, you know, you know, going through college athletics to coaching, now going into media. Um, what has been your biggest lesson that you've learned through all of this time, you know, to the point where you are today? Um, what do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in this journey? Yeah, um, there's a lot of them. I mean, I think that kind of what I just said about the whole you can't change the card you dealt, it's how you play the hand. I've learned in my life and, and seen it now consistently that when some of the worst things have happened to me and I felt the worst things were happening, um, you know, when I got hurt, when I got fired, I got fired from coaching at Arizona State um, two and a half years ago before I got in the media. Um, when I got hurt in high school, some, a lot of times the best things happened right after that. Um, and it felt like a really dark time. And then opportunity came right after. Uh, and, if, and if those dark things wouldn't have happened, I w- those positive things would have never happened. So I think that's one of them. Um, I think when I look back at myself, even when I was in this classroom in the Smeal Business College 10 years ago or eight years, whatever it was, uh, 10 years ago, wow, um, is that like, I remember 
always caring so much about what other people thought about me. Like all, I, I remember like constantly thinking about social media, um, about what my teammates thought of me, what fans thought of me more than anything. Like what, what's the newspaper going to write about? What, what are they going to say about me when I'm at practice today? Uh, constantly thinking about what other people said about me. Um, and I, and I listened to the noise when it was really positive, right? So like when, when I was a five-star recruit and everyone told you how good you are, I thought I was really, really cool and really, really good. I, I used to hang the newspaper clippings in my bedroom um, of, of, of my career. And then the problem is when you listen to it when it's really, really good, then you also listen when it's really bad. And when things flip, flip on its head and people start writing bad articles about you and it's negative. Um, and I've learned through that whole time to like, you just got to not listen to any of it. Um, and not listen to the praise because they don't really know what's going on and not listen to the negative people because they don't really know what's going on. And at the end of the day, no one is really thinking about you as much as you think they are. Um, like when I got started in social media, I started, I remember like thinking about how much are people going to like this post? Are people going to, am I posting too much? Am I posting not enough? Do I look good in this, in this cover photo on Instagram? What's my feed look like? At the end of the day, I learned really quickly that no one, everyone's busy thinking about themselves and they're not actually thinking about you at all. Uh, or if they do think about you, they think about you for two seconds and go right back to thinking about themselves and their own life and their own problems. So when you realize that, it's really freeing. It's mm -hmm. liberating. It allows you to be who you are, do what makes you happy, go after what you want, and not listen to what anybody says about you. And when I learned that is when success started coming in my life. It, it was I didn't care what I didn't care about everything because I didn't, I didn't care what anyone thought. And it wasn't because I don't, don't like people, but I knew that they didn't have the perspective I have, that, and they really weren't thinking about me at the end of the day. So. Those are the main things I've learned in the last few years that have allowed me to kind of be at the place I am now. Still have a lot to learn and still struggle with that all the time of, of caring what people think and caring and reading the, you know, reading the positive press clippings. And when you raise money for a venture capital, from a venture capital firm for your company, not allowing all the people to pat you on the back and tell you how great you are, that you got to keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. I think that's a great point, especially like for young professionals like all of us in the room, you know, getting over that hump of yeah. not caring about what people think about you. I think that's like, honestly, same still for me, like the biggest hump to get over mm -hmm. to just, you know, excelling even higher. So I think that's a really great point. Um, now, we are here at the Penn State Sports Business Conference Fall Speaker Series. You were a Penn Stater. Yeah. What does Penn State need to do this weekend against Michigan to be <laughs> successful? Uh, the offense needs to be explosive. Uh, we got to throw the ball down the field. Um, <laughs> I think uh, it was good to see uh, Penn State open up against Maryland a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's funny not to get like too into the weeds on football, but like when I, I rewatched the Ohio State film the other day, and everyone talks about being one of 16 on third down, Penn State's offense couldn't move the ball. A lot of that came from the struggles on first and second down, running the football, putting Drew Aller in really bad, really bad spots. Uh, but I keep, I keep going back to this. Penn State, on offense, could not have played any worse against Ohio State. Could not have played worse. It was the worst showing I've seen from an offense. The good news is we lost by a touchdown to the number one team in the country. Um, Ohio State is, I think, the best team in America, and we lost by eight points. So the good, news, the good news when you look at that is that if we play better on offense against Michigan, who I don't think is as good of a, as Ohio State, we should have a chance. Uh, and there's no way they go one of 16 on third down against Michigan. There's just no way. They gotta be, they're going to be better than that. Uh, if they can just hold the ball, uh, milk the clock, put their defense in good spots, I think Penn State's going to have a, have a chance. And we need Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac. They need to have a big day getting after J.J. McCarthy. 
For sure. It's going to be an exciting game yeah. at noon on Saturday. I'm excited to see you there and here, you here this weekend for Michigan weekend. It's the last call to win two tickets to a big bowl game this season. All you got to do is click the link, buy some merch on our site, and you'll be entered in to win the giveaway. The more merch you buy, the more entries you get to win the tickets. You can buy some merch like this, the college football tee, all black. I love this thing. Plus, our merch is super high quality, affordable, and great for game days. This is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to have a great experience or a great gift for someone else. Don't miss Last Call to Shop Now. We're going to open it up to a Q&A. Um, if you have any questions in the audience, you guys can raise your hand and we'll come around. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so you talked a lot about, uh, you know, athletes getting into media and sort of breaking down the barriers between, like, seeing someone on the field and, and sort of getting to them sort of mm -hmm. personally. Do you think that is going to start taking away the the larger than life uh, sort of icons that we're going to be see, like that we've seen in the past, like the Michael Jordans and the AIs and you know uh, sports icons of the past? Do you think yeah. it's sort of going to take away that? And if you think so, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought of it that way, but it's a good point. I I, I do think that it humanizes the athletes more, which is, which is good. I, I try to do that in my podcast. Like it, it shows you the human side of them. that normally you don't get to see. Um, but I do think that probably you guys as students all probably feel like, you know, the players on the team a little bit better than maybe when I was playing. And I feel like people didn't think they really knew Christian Hackenberg because he wasn't doing media. He wasn't talking to anybody. He didn't have social media. It was just a guy you saw on, on, uh, on TV. So I, I do think it, the positive is that it humanizes them, allows them to be more themselves. And it allows maybe before people criticize the athletes all the time, you remember, Oh, I saw him open up on that podcast or I saw him on social media or I follow him on TikTok, and I love his content. Um, now I, I do think maybe it could play the negative side is like maybe the athletes won't be as um, they won't be as, popular from like a from a famous standpoint because they feel like they're more accessible than they've ever been um but overall i think the positives outweigh the negatives on on any of that um, but that is that is a good point i never heard anyone talk about that side of it of like how maybe you don't get the superstar status because people feel like they know them so well anyway um do you got do you feel like you know a lot of the penn state players from like social media and, and that stuff well i don't really know about the penn state players the people that sort of come to mind are the kelsey's yeah. I feel like you're really starting to get to know them because their yeah. podcast is so popular. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, but Travis Kelsey's still a superstar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Any more questions? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, Alex. I'm Jason. I just wanted to ask a little bit about NIL. You said that schools might move into paying the players. Mm -hmm. like, do you actually see schools getting approval from the NCAA and being able to? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be pay to play. I don't think it'll be. Um, so the the term pay to play a lot of times in like college sports means it can sometimes mean like the inducements in recruiting, pay to play. Like we're going to pay you to come to our school. I think I don't think that will happen. What what will happen is the the collective like paying athletes salaries will go in house where the schools have they get their TV cut right. So the Big Ten does their deal with Fox and ESPN. The schools each get whatever, $200 million, I don't know what it is, and that a percent of those of that money will then funnel to the athletes through the universities. 
So I don't think the schools will will soon be saying like, okay, we want to pay Drew Aller two hundred grand. We want to pay oh, you're transferring this receiver is transferring. We'll pay you five hundred to come to our school. I, I think that's going to get, get cut out of it, and it will just be set revenue share from the universities to the athletes, which will be which will be legislated through federal the like U.S. Congress. Um, or you know, we just saw President Biden just got involved in the whole discussion of what's going to happen. Um, the NCAA will be out of it because the NCAA can't do anything. They're, you know, they're useless at the end of the day. So it'll, it'll have to take federal legislation. But the model of collectives raising money from donors, I believe, will not be in existence in a few years. Yeah. Good question. I've got a lot of hands. We'll go with Grant <laughs> right over here. So you talked a little bit about how there's some athletes that are looking for $500 or 500000 like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just curious how you go about, you know, like negotiating with brands or anybody regarding NIL stuff. Yeah. Um, as a business, we have to make money on everything, right? So like it comes down to us of like, if we're going to start a show or do a podcast or have this certain player on a podcast, we can pay him $3,000. We go to our business side and our CFO and say, how much money can we make on this podcast? Because we want to pay the players and help them, but at the end of the day, we have to make money or else we're going to go out of business and no one will have jobs, right? So um, really it comes down to that. Like if Caleb Williams came to us and wanted to start a podcast and we thought we could make a million dollars on it, we'd pay Caleb Williams 500 grand. Does it make sense? Um, if an offensive lineman, no offense to the O lineman, wants to like start a podcast and ask for 50 grand, it's like we're going to make 500 bucks on this. You know, we won't be able to make any money. So that's what it really comes down to. And that's really the market, right? That's just the market in NIL. But a lot of times, like, we, NIL collectives aren't trying to make money. They're just trying to get, get the best team possible. So they'll pay the offensive lineman and the linebacker uh, where we're trying to make a, make a business that's profitable and cash flows. Uh, so really, in NIL, in the space we're in, you're really looking at quarterbacks, star quarterbacks, skill position players who are NFL draft picks, um, and then... It, you, you have to be elite on defense to be worth any kind of NIL deal from a media perspective. Um, unfortunately for everybody else, it's not really worth it for our standpoint to participate in, in anything, unless it's like a very exclusive, like our show at Penn State, we have two, Nick Dawkins and Jerry Cross and Aeneas Hawkins are the hosts. We pay all them. They're not star players, but it makes sense because we get exclusive access at Penn State and they bring on guests that are star players. So it's all a business thing, just comes down to, profit and cash flow and making sure that we can have a sustainable business model. Yeah. Um, go here. What was the first step you took after you realized you wanted to start a media company? Um, so I started it on my own to start. So I just started creating content myself. Uh, I started just posting on TikTok. And that, like, remember the days like two years ago where if you posted anything on TikTok, it got like 5 million views and everyone could go viral? Uh, that's when I started. Um, and once I built a little bit of a following and I felt like I had the model of how to do it and how to make money on it and how to get people's attention, that's when I decided to branch out. And um, I met my co-founder, Porter Grieve, who's, um, who's our CEO. He operates the, the business from a CEO standpoint. I run all of our media side of it. Um, he's the fundraiser who works on He's in New York City right now, meet with investors for us. Um, so him and I decided to go at this thing together because I felt like it was better, especially with all that I have going on, that it was better to have a co-founder who really could operate day to day and be really good at it. Um, 
the first step for us was really identifying what schools we wanted to work with um, and what our differentiator was. I, I guess but even before the schools, it was what makes us different than Barstool, what makes us different than the volume, what makes us different than every other media company that's trying to gain attention and sell sponsorship against it. And for us, it was the access in the, that we could go to Penn State and get a partnership. We'd go to Clemson and Kentucky and Oklahoma, where if Barstool or most media startups try to go to those schools, they would get kicked out of the building. and be like, we, we can't work with you. So that was, that was the, the first thought was what makes us different than everybody else that could make this a big conglomerate of a company and not just you know, your mom and pop media, sh media company. Yeah. <coughs> Uh, when you look at the upper echelon of college football programs um, in today's age, how much do you think of their success is based on the talent that they put on the field or the scheme and the coaching uh, that is kind of making sure that the talent on the field is um, at its full potential? I would say uh, a very, very prominent college football coach told me one time, college football is 85% talent acquisition and 15% talent development. So who you recruit and the players you have is really what dictates winning. When you look at the best programs in the country, Georgia, Alabama, the consistent winners, they recruit the best. They have the best recruiting class. They have the most five-star recruits. There's always the argument, do stars matter in recruiting? Stars matter. The teams with the most five stars win the most games. So Without a doubt, it's, it's the talent. It's the players on the field. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a player's game in big moments. It's all about the players. Who's your best player? Who has the best quarterback? Um, so it's all about talent. I, I really think, too, I always say in college football and basketball, major sports, brands really win championships. And what I mean by that is the schools with the biggest brands that do the best job on social media, that have the best uh, the best the best brand alignment from, you know, when, when you see Georgia, you know what it is. When you see Alabama, like, you just automatically think big-time football. Those brands recruit the best players, and then in turn, because they have the best players, they win the most games. Coaching is important because, number one, coaches recruit. So, really, in college football, coaches, the coaches that make the most money are the best recruiters. It's, when I was coaching at Arizona State, I was, when I was at Arizona State, I was a tight ends coach. I was 24, 25 years old youngest in the country, and no one hired me because I knew football more than everybody else. That was not why I got hired. It wasn't because Adam can coach tight ends. It wasn't because I could, could scheme up the game. It was because I could recruit players to come to Arizona State, and uh, that shows you how important it is. It is all about recruiting and talent acquisition in college football. Uh, we'll go Emma, and we'll go down the line here. Hi, Emma. Hi. Yeah. Um, so the preparation process really, number one, I try to watch some of other interviews they've done. Um, so normally you can find that on YouTube, right? You just like, if I'm, if I'm going to have, so when I had James Franklin on the show, I watched, he had, he did an interview recently with Josh Pate, who's a, who's a podcast host for two, for CBS sports. Um, so I watched that interview and just had some ideas and really like also making sure I don't ask the same questions. Um, Really, though, and this may not be like the, the answer you wanted to hear, I, I try not to prepare too much for, uh, for podcasts um, because I don't want to be too scripted and I want it to really feel like a conversation. When, I feel, when it feels like I'm interviewing them or you know, we, I answer, the guest answers a question 
and we don't really have a conversation. We go like, I changed topics completely. It feels very unnatural. And then the guest, because of that, doesn't give you good answers, right? They don't, they're not like comfortable. I, I try to almost say that I want them to forget they're on camera or they're getting interviewed during the, during the podcast. Like I want them to kind of just be like flowing and I'm just, you know, we're kind of like shooting, the, like BSing a little bit and we're just talking and they kind of forget. And then they say, they open up and they talk about a lot of cool stuff. So I, I really don't prepare that much for podcast guests other than like I will on my phone have, on my notes app, have like 10, 15 topics I want to get to, which more so helps if I blank. I can like look at my phone real quick and it gives me something to go to because uh, we've all been there like where you, oh, like what am I going to ask next? He stopped talking. Um, so that's, that, that, that's a big part. I'd say like where the most preparation goes for me is broadcasting, is live television. Um, I don't know if there's any aspiring broadcasters in here. I know Destiny's one. But really, the preparation to be on live TV and call a college football game is uh, that's six days of the week, constant, you know, late nights, especially when you're doing that, when I'm doing my own podcast and running the company is like spending nighttime talking to coaches, memorizing players' names, all that kind of stuff. That's where the big prep comes in. Go. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what you'll go, you'll go next. <laughs> or, Sorry. You go ahead, and then I'll go to her. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Dylan. Uh, question about Drew Aller and kind of what you've seen from him from back when, like, I watched a podcast with him way before, kind of a while back now, um, and then there was a clip that came out of him after the first game of the season, and he kind of just walked by the camera, but then after Indiana, he, like, screamed into the camera, was all hyped. Yeah. What have you seen from him, like, growth-wise, and why do you think, I guess, he's the right guy for yeah, I think Drew's been the, the guy we expected him to be all season. Like, he's been poised. He's, you know, you forget that he's 18, 19 years old. Um, he's been confident and, like, he's the same guy every time you see him. Every time I see him, he is the same person consistently. And really, that's the thing. When I think of a lot of the great quarterbacks I've been around, they are, they are consistently the same person over and over, and they don't get too high and low during good and bad times. Uh, similar, I talked about the whole, like, you know, if you listen when it's good, you also listen when it's bad. Drew just is consistently him. Um, and I, I think the hard part is in the biggest game of the year, when he went home to Ohio State, he didn't play well. Um, it's a lot of reasons he didn't play well, um, but the accountability that he took after that, I thought was a, a big step. Like, he went in there, and, I mean, he was emotional after the game, uh, but you also saw him the next week be more of himself and, and be right back to that positive guy. And then now against Maryland played really well and aired the ball out. So I think that that's a big step to, for, to see a guy who was kind of at a pretty low, low point, went back to his hometown, went one of 16 on third down and, and they lost to Iowa state because the offense didn't play well in a large part him to come back and now play well the last two games, I thought has been, has been a really positive thing. Drew has all the talent. I mean, the, I've, I've seen him at practice in person, like the ball comes out of his hand in a way, like reminds me a lot of when I saw uh, Christian Hackenberg throw the football. Reminds me a lot of like Jaden Daniels, who I was around at Arizona State, who's now at LSU. Um, like high level arm talent, high level athleticism, and really um, high level emotional intelligence and football IQ. Drew has it all. And uh, I have no doubt that Drew will be an NFL quarterback and be the starter here for a long time. And um, I really think that you know, for as good as Sean Clifford was, like he was amazing. I love Sean that, you know, a lot of people said that Penn state was missing that like five star talent at quarterback. Um, you know, 
Drew might have not played well against Ohio State, but I think the dividends we'll see the next couple of years um, will pay off for some, by going through that at Ohio State, if that makes sense. And, and I do think, I, ever, I know we've said at Penn State for a long time, like next year's the year. I really do think like next year like, really is the year. Like you look at Drew being in second year, the running backs being back, a lot of the guys returning on defense. Well, hopefully we can keep some of the guys from declaring for the draft. That's another pro of NIL. Hopefully you keep some of them here, but um, next year's the year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a great question. I've struggled with it for a long time. Um, I've always wanted to do a lot of different things. And I've learned, you know, I've wanted to do a lot of different things. And a lot of people have said to me, I've gotten a lot of advice. And people have been like, you have to pick one or else you'll be just like pretty good at everything. But you'll never be elite at anything. You'll never be, be as good as you possibly can be. And I've thought about that a lot. I've been like, man, like, do I just need to like pick the business and go build Mercury, or do I need to just be a broadcaster and like go be all in on broadcasting? Because sometimes I think like I'm not putting enough time into everything. And then I really went back to like, I know myself now, and I know that I want to do multiple different things, and that's what I that that's what makes me happy. I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be. I want to build a business. I want to have a podcast. I want to create content. I want to do speaking. Get, like I want to do it all. And I'm okay if one of those fails or if I'm not as good as I could be at one because that's what makes me happy. That's what I want to do. And I don't care what everybody else thinks I should do. And I don't care. Like, I've gotten advice from my own parents, from people I'm close with, from coaches being like, dude, you can't do six different things. Um, so that's number one is like, I'm okay. I know that if I do 10 things, one may not work out <laughs> and, and I'm okay with it. Um, number two, it's that you've learning that you have to invest in a team. Like, I would absolutely, Noah, who's sitting right over here, um, who's holding the phone, recording me, like, I would absolutely not be able to do anything without Noah. Thomas, who's my videographer, who films everything, he looks at my face all day and edits it, so I feel bad for him. But, like, without those guys, would not be able to do anything. I mean, they, they make sure everything's good, that we're on track, and the team at, at Mercury, who helps out. So I've learned that also, like, it's worth investing and paying and making sure that you have people around you if you want to do a lot of different things. Um, and yeah, those are the, those are kind of the, the the things I've had to battle with internally is is what you just asked. Like, what, what do I really want to do? And for me, I wanted to do a lot. Now I still do have to say no to things, right? That's like I was just talking to someone on the way here when I was driving up here. I got another, I got an opportunity, and and I feel like me a year ago would have said yes to this opportunity, and I just was like, man, like, I cannot do this as much as I want to. So I feel like that was a growth <laughs> step for me. It was saying no to that to that specific thing. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to speak with us today. Everyone in this room is really inspired by, you know, all of the work that you put in to build College Sports Co. and, you know, your own brands. So thank you so much for speaking with us, and good luck with all the content this weekend, and I'm excited to see where College Sports Co. goes. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me. All you, the, this is awesome. Juan and everyone do a great job with this, and you're a star, too. I'm excited to see your career, and it's been fun working with you a little bit, so I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, guys. Thank you.